Father, thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you because you have always stirred us to remain fervent in our worship of you. You've drawn us to yourself today because you want to speak your word into our lives. And the Bible says the entrance of your word into our hearts brings light. And when light comes, darkness is way. The grips of evil broken. You sent your world to heal us and to deliver us from destruction. Send words again to the old Lord. That preceding word that heals. That preceding word that blesses. That preceding word that revives. That preceding word that quickens us. That brings us out of the dungeon. That preceding word that delivers from destruction. Let it come today again. For on our own we can do nothing. Especially even as we're in this season, you have made the holiest of all seasons. Let something new happen, O oh God. That our service unto you be trustworthy. Be thou exalted. Thank you because we know you will do more than we can think of. Because of your power, at work in us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. People of God, we bless God because God is faithful. God is patient with us. And God is all loving. And on account of that, he keeps ministering to us. Paul writing says, even though we are unfaithful, God is always what? Faithful. That is why today, in a very special way, the Lord will be ministering to us. We are permitted to come the way we are, but we will not go back the same way. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lift your hand and say, Lord, implicate me today. Lord, me. Say with all your spirit, say, Lord, implicate me today. By the mystery of your word. In Jesus' name. Okay, as we journey, trust in the Holy Spirit for what he's going to do right now. It is very imperative that we remind ourselves of who we are as God's people. The Christian life is a life from the Spirit. It's not an ordinary life. The Christian life. Write it now. Write it so you know. The Christian life is not an ordinary life. It's a life from the Spirit. Okay. It's a life from where? From the spirit. So it's a spirit life. And so you have to understand that for you to be a Christian, it means you are a spiritual person. You are a spiritual person. Even though you are in the flesh, you are a spiritual person. You cannot live the Christian life on the human level alone. And that is why Jesus, when he was talking with the Samaritan woman, whom he asked to give him a cup of water from the well. After talking with her for a long time, Jesus now began to explain to her. Because she was saying, our father has washed on this mountain, but you are claiming that we should come to Jerusalem and worship. And Jesus said, yes, a time will come. And that time is now. When those who shall worship the father will not go up to the mountains or go to Jerusalem. For that shall worship him 
in spirit and in truth. That means a new dispensation has been opened when it comes to the worship of God, which is ultimately our essence on earth here. Every other thing is secondary. The very reason for our creation and being on earth here is to be what? Worshippers of God. And for us to truly worship God, it must capture three things. The first is what? Prayer. Prayer is one of the most important aspects of exercising our act of worship. So, the quality of your prayer goes a long way to determine the quality of your worship unto God. And that's why when Jesus himself came, even though he was not limited, he didn't lack anything. There was nothing as maybe put here that maybe he was limited or frustrated. But Jesus prayed more than every other person because as long as you're in the flesh, you are condemned to exercise your act of worship by prayer. So prayer becomes an integral aspect of our act of worship. So you must be a man or a woman of prayer. Genuine relationship with God. Commitment and connection with the Almighty who lives supreme above nations. Number two. The number two aspect of our connection with God, you know, in the act of worship is sacrifice. The first one is prayer. The second one is sacrifice. So for us to have genuine act of worship, we must embellish our act of worship with genuine, true sacrifice. Anybody who says he's worshipping God and worships him in spirit and in truth must be a person of sacrifice all the time. Okay? Because sacrifice is another level of communication. If you want the spirits to hear you fast, you communicate by sacrifice. Words can communicate to them, but when you exercise sacrifice, it, has, it speaks volumes. And today, we are going to look at it today from the first reading. Number three, way of exercising worship is service. So these are the three ways we exercise our act of worship. Number one is what? Prayer life. Have you written that? Number two is what? Sacrifice. Number three is what? Service. You see the point? That's why in our catechism we are asked, why did God create you? He created him to know him, to love him, and what? To serve him in this world. You see the point? And be happy with him in eternity. Okay? So service is an integral aspect of your act of worship. So these three things, when you vet them in your life, no matter how you parade yourself in church, these are the areas we know who you are as it pertains to God. Your prayer life, your act of sacrifice, what type of sacrifice garrisons your life? And then thirdly, what is the quality of the service you are giving unto God? Today, in the readings of today, we see one of these being made manifest, or two of them, if you like. The first one from the book of Genesis, which is the first one of today, God tested Abraham in his worship and said to him, Abraham, and he said, I'm here. He said, take your son, your only begotten, not just ordinary son. A begotten son is a trained son, a son you raise spiritually. Because this man trusted God for a child for a very long time. And eventually God gave him one. So he wanted to raise a child, not just any kind of a child, but a child that is in sync with God's purpose on earth. And he loved his son so much. He raised him, trained him both physically and spiritually. 
His own life investment was put upon this son. And God said, your only begotten son Isaac, whom you have you love, and go to the land of Moria and offer him there as a bond offering. Wow. Sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. sacrifice. You know, there are a lot of Christians, they live their life anyhow. And they don't know why their life goes the way they go. So that's why they have to live crooked. For them, they don't believe that you can be on earth here yeah, and live right and prosper in the right. So they will tell you a little to the left, a little to the right. You know, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. So that's how they live their life. God demanded sacrifice from Abraham. So there are two types of sacrifice. There's what called self-induced sacrifice. You are moved by the Spirit to make the sacrifice. And then God demanded what? Sacrifice. Why did God demand this sacrifice from Abraham? Why? Is prayer not enough? Can God tell Abraham, Abraham, my son, I want you to come and pray for two hours, every day for the next 30 days because I want to do something in your life. God did not demand prayer. God demanded the word sacrifice. And Abraham, who has journeyed with God for close to 30 years, understands what moves God. He understands that this demand is expensive, it's costly, it's painful. But God, why? He don't have trusted for this. God said, give it to me. Because I want to do something. If he doesn't let go that son, the thing he wants to do will not come to pass. And Abraham took his son on a journey to the mountain of Moriah. They're going to offer him. And where they were going? This son's a father. We have the firewood. We have the fire. We're here with us. But where is the lamb of sacrifice? As a man of wisdom, who understands the things of the spirit? He said, don't worry. The Lord shall provide. And when they reached the mountain, I'm sure Isaac must have said, Father, hey, where's the lamb now? He said, God said, I should offer you. A man who was almost close to 100 years to offer a young boy who has reached almost 20 years. You can imagine that. I'm sure if it was to fight, Isaac will beat his father black and blue there and say, Do you and this your God? You are not tired yet. But because, you see, the Bible said today in the first thing, it says, Your only begotten son. He has been raised in the things of the spirit. He understands. You see how sacrifice and working with God can rub over the things around you. Isaac understood the language of the spirit. You see, who am I? If God gave me to you to, for you to sacrifice him to him, who am I to resist? Oh yeah, daddy, go ahead. The old man was struggling and then tied his hands and legs and pushed him on the altar he has built. And Isaac willingly submitted. Are your children ready to work with you in any part that God has called you to? Can your children whom God has given to you journey with you to any length like Isaac journey with the father? The guy had every reason to say, Daddy, you have lived your life for 99 years to 100 years. And now look at me in my prime of life. You are coming to say I should die. You and this your God. After beating you, go and meet him and tell him that I said no. But Isaac never walked that way. Because he was raised. Because what? 
train a child in the way he will go. When he grows up, what will happen? He will not depart from it. And Abraham took the knife. I said, Lord, he said, I should offer him. Who am I to say no? My life is for you. I took the knife. And as the knife was coming down the altar, to slaughter his only son, an angel appeared instantly. And held his hand. The Bible says, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only begotten son. Hmm. He said, I will indeed bless you. The original translation says, in blessing, I will bless you. Did Abraham ask for blessing? I'm asking a question now. People of God, did Abraham ask for blessing? But God wanted to bless him. It was God who wanted to bless him. Why can't God bless him without demanding from him? Why will God ask him, bring first before I bless you? If it is this generation, they say God is selfish. If God is all good, why can't he just bless without asking? Because the things of the spirit are foolishness to the carnally minded. And you see them pop up on the social media everywhere. Attacking tight. Attacking sacrifice. Attacking giving. And they are attacking men of God. That they are demanding. Must you give before God give you? And some foolish weak Christians who are very selfish. Allow such people to mess up their faith. And because they are not deep in the word of God. They are deceived. Why did God ask Abraham give me your son? Are you aware that before Abraham took that knife to kill that boy, he has already slaughtered him in his heart? He has already wept throughout the night and said, my son is a dead son already. So as far as Isaac was, was concerned, he was a dead son in his heart. For him to take that knife and bring it down. So why was God asking that he offered a sacrifice? Because genuine worship must be exercised by what? By sacrifice. It's a test of heart. It's a test of obeisance. It's a test to know whether you are freely in love with God. Why will priests give up their life to serve God? Jesus has offered the sacrifice. Now why are we still sacrificing? Why? Why did Peter die? He was crucified upside down. If the sacrifice of Jesus was enough, as some argue all the time, that Jesus has offered all the sacrifice, so we don't need any sacrifice again. Paul knew that he was going to Jerusalem or to Rome, and he will be slaughtered, and he see he went. Sebastian was sacrificed and tied on a tree. All the martyrs knew that the essence of sacrifice is he genuine in the Christian faith? Don't be deceived. The devil will mess you up. He will alter your genuine act of worship by making you to abandon sacrifice. So prayer, sacrifice, and service remains the core essence of our act of worship as Christians. Shout a big amen. amen. God said, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. 
and as the sand in the what in the seashore. You see, your descendants shall possess the gates of your what enemies. You see, blessing, multiple blessing. Did he pray for it? I'm asking a question, oh God. Did Abraham say, Oh God, my children, may you give them power, may you give them protection? Did he pray for it? But that sacrifice spoke volumes in the spirit. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. That means they will win them. No nation can subdue them. Up to today, Israel is still remaining supreme because of this. Go and ask any typical Jew, even as they are fighting right now in Gaza. For them, God has given victory. Small nation, how many of them? Nine million. Facing nations that are more than 200, 200 million. Turkey alone is close to 100 something million. You don't talk of uh, Iran, Iraq. These people are in just so much in number. Go to Lebanon where we have the Hezbollah. They have over 1 million armies. And they are fighting a small nation that is just only 9 million. How are they surviving? Their strength is not their technology. Their strength is in this covenant. Your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. God has seen the future. That this son I'm raising through, I, through Isaac, the generation I'm raising through Isaac, will face a lot of difficulty. But this man cannot see it. But how can I bless him when his heart is not open to it? I will provoke him to make sacrifice. If he opens his heart, good and fine. If he refuses, good and fine. Sometimes God will demand something from you because he sees your future. But he wants your heart to be connected to what he wants to give you. And when he asks for small things, you are arguing. He said, by your descendants shall all the nations of the earth bless themselves. Hmm. This is a very strong one. Eh? Because you have obeyed my voice. May we learn to obey God's voice in the name of Jesus Christ. As God speaks to us at diverse moments. As God releases that still voice in your spirit telling you, do this for the sake of your faith. May you not resist in the name of Jesus Christ. May you not mortgage your future because you refuse to listen to a simple instruction that will give you generational blessing. The key to unlocking the gates of the supernatural is sacrifice. Sacrifice, as I said, is painful. Sacrifice causes you some kind of a loss, if you like. Psalm 1 to 6, verse 5 to 6 says, Psalm 1 to 6, verse 5 to 6, it says, Those who are sowing in tears will what? Will sing when they reap. The act of sowing in tears. Psalm 1 to 6, verse 5 to 6. You can put it on the screen. Those who are sowing in tears, we sing when they reap. Every sacrifice will reproduce something greater than the sacrifice offered. Every act of giving to God that is substantiated with what? Worship. Will produce something greater than what you gave. It's the law of the spirit. Sacrifice is done in tears. 
But reaping is done in, with joy. Sacrifice is done with tears. But reaping comes with what? With joy. That they, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing what? Precious seed shall doubtlessly come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. May that be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We don't give because all things, things are okay. We give because it's our call to worship God. We don't give because there's abundance. We don't give when things are favorable for us. We give all the time. In season and out of season, sacrifice will be made. You are a spiritual being and for you to communicate to spirits because you are in flesh. If you want to substantiate your voice to be loud in the spirit, you have to learn to do what? To garrison your life with sacrifices. What words cannot communicate? Sacrifice will communicate for you. I don't think you got what I just said now. What you cannot articulate in words, sacrifice will do what? Sacrifice will communicate that for you. That's the essence of sacrifice. As spiritual beings who must understand the wisdom of sacrifice. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. David said, I will offer bond offering to the Lord my God, which must cost me something. So for him, to anytime he wants to offer anything to God, he said, I must offer what cost me something. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, somebody will say, Father Vincent, but that is in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus has offered the ultimate sacrifice. When Jesus came, for him to bless the wedding in Canaan, he asked them, fill this jars with water. If you understand, those jars are big, big amount of, you know, I think about 140 gallons of, of, in terms of liters. They have to give something. In Israel, where there's no water, no rain, you're asking to bring water. So they have to sacrifice the water meant for service for what he wanted to do. In feeding the 5,000, Jesus as God can command the air to bring loaves and fish. But he asked them, what do you have? A little boy had to offer what? Sacrifice. Every time God wants to do something in our lives, he will demand something small from us. That little thing is demanding for you because he wants to do something greater. So gain the wisdom to always let go what God demands from you. Let go. Gain that wisdom. It is foolishness that God is making a demand from you and you're not giving. And so you stop the flow of his grace to bless your life. It's the law of the spirit. What you sow is what you will reap. Just imagine if Sarah had uh, intervened in this case of Abraham and Isaac. They have wiped Israel away since. You see the point? In 2 Kings chapter 3, I want to share something with you. In 2 Kings chapter 3, from verse 21 to 27, you can put it on the screen. It's a story of the king of Israel and the king of Edom who came together to fight 
the king of Moab. The people of Moab were under the rulership of the people of Israel for a very long time. And so they were slaves under the people of Israel. But after some time, something happened and they had to break away from the people of Israel. And since they left, the people of Israel never were comfortable with them anymore. So as they regrouped themselves, they now asked the people of Edom to support them to go and fight the Moabites and bring them back into captivity. And they had to consult God before they invaded the Moabites. The Bible says they consulted Elijah. And they sought him and said, we want to go and fight this one and conquer them. Can we go? And after Elijah prayed, God said, go forth. And they went. And when they were fighting, the fighting became so fierce to the point that they had no water to drink, both on the side of the Moabites and the side of the Israelites and the Edomites. So they were dying of thirst. So the people of Israel immediately knew that if they don't get water to drink, they will be weak in fighting. So they had to offer sacrifice, asking God to provide water for them. And as God would do it, immediately they offered a sacrifice, there was rain. And they had water. Are we together here? Say thank you, Jesus. So the rain fell both on the side of the, <laughs> the Israelites and the Edomites and on the side of the Moabites. Both their enemies too got water. So the Moabites began to inquire, say, how did this rain come? Because we know rain never falls in our territory. They said, ah, that the, the Israelites had offered sacrifice to their God. So their God has caused the rain to fall so they have water. They said, wow. Yeah. Because the Moabites had fallen from the God of Israel, they had their own God, which they were now serving, even though they are related to the people of Israel. And so the battle continued. Until at a point, the thing became so fierce, and the king of the Moabites now said, we cannot go back to captivity. We have suffered all this people for a very long time, and God has delivered us. How on earth shall we go back? The man instantly from the army had raised 7,000 mighty fighters to go to the Edonites to see whether he can break through from there. That if he can deal with the Edonites, he will surely face the prophet and bring them down. And when he did that, to penetrate was not easy. He knew that he has reached his end. That surely they will be conquered. When he saw that he couldn't do anything anymore, immediately said, that same God that he sacrificed little rams to, and he caused him to come. How we make a sacrifice greater than that ram to conquer these people? His first son, whom he was raising, to take over from him. In the presence of the Israelites and the Edomites, who were fighting fiercely against him, he took his son and offered him a sacrifice and killed him. Amen. You see, people who understand the game of life. He has used his might, and his might is failing him. What did he do? He switched over to the supernatural. Christians, we don't know what we have. People of the world know that their talent is not enough for them. They know that their money is not enough for them. They know that their positions in life it's not enough for them. They engage using supernatural world powers, be it positive or negative. We who are endowed with a positive energy are trivializing it. 
making a scum of it. The Bible says immediately that man offered his only son, slaughtered him in the battlefront. The Bible says immediately the wrath of God came against the prophet Israel. But the prophet prophesied, though, God said you should go. God started fighting his own people. It's in the Bible. It's in your Bible. Go down, down, down to verse 27. Let's look at it. <laughs> so that's why it's in the second reading what the Bible says. Hmm? He says, Brethren, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Because God has offered sacrifice for all. even God himself to make things happen. He has to also what? Offer what? Sacrifice. Are you getting this point here? Amen. Look at me, everybody. Did you get this point? Did it sink into your heart? Did you gain the wisdom of sacrifice? At least wake up. Be convinced about the things of your faith. Stop using logic and rationality to water down what God has given to you. Many Catholics are suffering because they don't take things to heart. They're not committed with what God has blessed them with. In the face of difficulty, they just pray and then be jumping from pillar to post, looking for who will pray for them. This man, in the war front, when issues came, he knew the prophecy didn't go, but he understood that one thing will shake this whole thing. Ultimate sacrifice. His only son. And God heard him and stood against his own people. And that's how the Moabites remained independent in their lives. Till today. These same Moabites, listen to me. Are we together here? When the prophet Israel were coming from Egypt, they passed the plot of Og, they conquered them. They passed the plot of Bashan, they conquered them. Right? They made these Moabites. The king said, We can't allow these people to pass through our land. They will conquer us. He went and called a man called Balaam to come and what? Curse them. When the man Balaam came, he demanded for what? How many altars? Huh? We don't even know. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. You have no idea of these small, small stories in the Bible that will engineer your faith. The first was seven altars. The second was seven altars. The third was what? Seven altars. In each of the altars, there was a big bull sacrificed. And each altar represents a, a curse, a negative power that will be projected to of Israel. And each of the altars had a bull on it. So that's 21 ram, if you like, bulls were sacrificed to bring down the prophet of Israel. Now, why did the curse of Balaam not touch the prophet of Israel? Did they pray? Did they pray against curses? I'm asking a question. Answer me now. Before then, God has seen what they are going to pass through. He now called the Jews and said, let each family offer what? A lamb without spots and, and, and wrinkles. Eat it with bitter herbs. Say, for today, 
you shall eat it into what? Your Passover. Not only that, that, those sacrifices, each family, how many were there? Three million families. Now, they offered a sacrifice. They didn't know that this sacrifice will speak for them in the future. So, when they were offering only 20 what? 21. How many did the Jews offer? Okay. I hope somebody here is gaining wisdom. Christianity is not anyhow, anyhow. It has principles. All to you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, where you belong. Don't allow your life to be wasted. The mercy of God will not keep you forever. A time will come when God will not say, now it's time for you to act genuinely, based on your faith. About shout sacrifice. What are the benefits of sacrifice? Number one, it reverses curses. It breaks limitations. It destroys unforeseen dangers. We offer sacrifices because by offering sacrifice, we connect to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And so we connect to that ultimate sacrifice and draw strength and energy to deal with issues that emanates from the realm of the spirit by wickedness. And that's why the priests at the mass will say, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and what? If it also was not necessary, the church will have brought it in. So your sacrifice is still what? Necessary. That my sacrifice and yours may be what? Acceptable before God in heaven. And what do we respond? Everybody wants to go say, let me hear you. Mm-hmm. 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 Do you see that? For our good. For our good. And the good of what? The whole, the church. So the sacrifice is for your good. Wake up. That's why you have to do it deliberately. Consciously. So thank you, Jesus. Number two, sacrifice is a force that moves things in the spirit. There are things your hand cannot touch where they affect your life. There are changes you want to see made in your life, but you can't touch it with your hands. Sacrifice goes and touches them. Those of you who are not writing, the day I will embarrass people in this chapel, it will be so stupendous. Eh? I will so embarrass them that it will so pain them they will get angry with me and I will like it. Don't come in here without writing material. Thank God we are printed some materials there. So, so from next Sunday, if you come, pick up a writing material. If you don't want to write it, write it for my sake. If you go home, dump it at home. No problem. But don't come under my administration and act foolishly. I mean it. It's a very serious matter. Naso Ebi, yes, so. Somebody just said it in his heart now. Naso Ebi. And the whole is just said, somebody just said, Naso Ebi. And I answered, yes, so. So, sacrifice moves, moves things for us in the spirit. Number three, sacrifice commands favor into our lives. 
Solomon offered God 1,000 rams in the temple. And God appeared to him the night after that. Ask me for anything. Can you imagine? He didn't ask for anything. He just asked for God's blessings. And God came and said, ask me for anything you want. And then he said, please, you have raised me as a king to rule your people. I don't have the wisdom. Please give me wisdom. God said, even though you didn't ask for money and for what? Security and military might. I will bless you with wisdom. I will give you money. I will give you security. Shout a big amen. Those things he did spoke volumes. When are you to sacrifice? When are you to sacrifice in your life as a Christian? Number one, when your heart moves you. Because your heart will always move you. Come to God without words. Let your actions speak for him. Or speak for you. And there will be issues in our life that will make us move in that direction. When your heart moves and demands that you make a sacrifice. Number two, when God himself commands you, speaks to you. Okay? When God himself demands it from you, you make sacrifice. Sacrifice is anything that costs you something. It could be money, it could be material things, but at the ultimate end, it will cost you something. It could be self-volunteering work. Something that will take you out of your comfort zone is sacrifice. But we know because everything has been tied to money, now money becomes the center. It could be your time. It could be your talent. You use it well to glorify God. Number three, when I'm to sacrifice, when I say things in my life that God has done for me, I bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. The sacrifice to appreciate God. The Bible says in the Acts of Apostles chapter 10, a man called Cornelius. He had about nine children. They were all girls. No one was married. And the man was a righteous man, even though he was a Roman centurion. And the Bible says he prayed to the God of Israel. Every day by 9 a.m. in the morning. And so he saw his daughter staying and they were not marrying. They were over the age of marriage. And he began to pray. Began to pray. At a point he knew. He discovered that he had to substantiate his prayer with alms giving and sacrifice. And he kept doing that. On one day, the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And said, Cornelius, Cornelius. He said, your prayers and your alms giving and your sacrifice is speaking for you before God. Can you imagine? What provoked the angel to come was his sacrifices, his arms given. And God said, I want to give you a solution to your problem. There's a man called Peter. He has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever he binds on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever he loses on earth shall be losing in heaven. Call for him. When he comes, he will give you words. The Bible says Peter will not send. When he saw the basket, God ministered to him. Then he came there. Why he was he preaching? The Bible said the Holy Ghost fell upon them. They were all prophesying. The Bible stopped there. But a man called Josephus, a Jewish historian, now said that that very year, all of them got married. 
because the man's prayer and sacrifices were constantly were knocking at the door of heaven. May you grow in this wisdom and overcome every obstacle of your life, not only by prayer, but by sacrifice in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Finally, how do we make our sacrifices acceptable? Because you can offer sacrifices that are not acceptable. The first one of prayer by the first set of human beings on earth, Cain and Abel, was what? Sacrifice. God demanded from them. Abel offered a sacrifice, pleasing to God. Cain too offered sacrifice. But was his, his own sacrifice acceptable? No. Because he did not, his heart was not reflected in his sacrifice. So your sacrifice may be acceptable, it could be rejected. So how do I make my sacrifice acceptable? Number one, start by giving yourself first. You are the first sacrifice that will be given to God. That means your life must be pleasing to God. That's the first sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 from verse 1 says, Brethren, offer your very self as what? Living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable sacrifice. This is a type of sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord. So give yourself. Be dedicated. Be a consecrated Christian. Be a Christian with a difference. Be a Christian that God can point to his hand and say, this one is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved daughter. Don't live anyhow. Don't live like the of the world and say, God will accept my sacrifice. Number two, give for the love of God. You are giving out of love, not out of compulsion. You are giving because you love God. So let love be what is propelling you to give. Anything you are giving to God as sacrifice, let love be behind it. Shout a big amen. amen. Give because you love God. Number three, give willingly. Let it be a willing giving. Don't be induced. Don't be coerced. Don't give grudging. You are willing to do it and you are happy doing it. I have given Bible quotations to substantiate this point, but we have no time. Number four. Let your giving be an expression of your worship. Let your giving be an expression of what? Your worshiping God. It's a form of prayer. Number five. Give constantly. You don't just give once and stop. Give what? Constantly and expectantly. Number four. Give. Giving as an act of worship. Someone is asking what's number four. Giving as an act of worship. That's number four. Number five. Give constantly. Let your life have what? Sporadic moments of out of giving. Sacrificing, if you like. Abraham was always offering sacrifice. Anywhere he comes, he raises an altar. He offers sacrifice. One man. That's why that land of Israel, no force can dominate it. The sacrifice that man made over 4,000 years ago, keep that land security. God comes. Give constantly and give what? Expectantly. Yes, because you are sowing. Because whatever you give will come back to you in one way or the other. Double. Hundredfold. Some will wait for you in heaven. Yes. Yes. 
So let us learn from the faith of our father Abraham. If we say we are Abraham's children, and Abraham blesses our, our, ours as we sing it. Abraham blesses our mind. Good. Then Abraham's faith should be mine too. Abraham's art of giving should be mine. Say let us learn from our father. So that we can journey and enjoy the covenant and the words God has released upon him. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. And your descendants, your children, who are the descendants of Abraham, we are the ones who shall possess the gates of our enemy. And that's why when Jesus came, the first blessing he gave to the disciples said, you shall cast out demons. You shall take over territories by the Spirit and rule and reign as God's messengers on earth. Shout a big amen. amen. I pray for someone today that the revelation of the wisdom of sacrifice will come upon you. That you will walk not just carnally, but spiritually. That in your act of worship, you will substantiate every act of your worship with sacrifice. When you come for mass, your offerings, your thanksgivings, you do them from a willing spirit. You do them with a heart full of love. You will do them sacrificially, knowing you are communicating the spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that as you do that, every act of offering, sacrifice, thanksgiving that you offer to God, will truly bless you spiritually and materially in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the face of a world today garrisoned by political and economic crisis, may our act of sacrifice speak for us. So that it will touch the God who provides, who always provide for us, even in the midst of lack and you know, austerity in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. As the prophets were in the war front and they were fighting and they lacked water, the Bible says they offer sacrifices and water came. In the midst of this, our difficulty that we are experiencing as a nation, may we never forget that the answer in the midst of the pain is that our faith we provoke God. As we give the little we have, God will multiply it and will never lack in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Precious Father, thank you for the revelation. I bless every man here today and every woman here with impartation of the spirit of sacrifice that the devil will not steal away this very crucial instrument of faith from their heart in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That I miss the pain of lack, the pains of, you know, not having sufficient leave. Precious Father, we will not lose the wisdom to always come to you sacrificially in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And as we continue to connect with you sacrificially, Father, we know supernaturally you shall provide for us. Finances will come our way. Prosperity will come our way. You will connect us to the source of wealth in different dimensions in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And as many, oh God, who are here, trusting you for one breakthrough or the other, in the area of their finances, in the area of their office and promotion, in different areas of their expectation, Heavenly Father, King of Glory, on this day, I stand on existing grace of sacrifice done in the past by Jesus, by Abraham, and our followers of faith, and even the church of today, I decree that they will have testimonies in their life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Those who are expectations shall come forth by the power and the voice of the sacrifices made by the church, made by the saints, made by the friends of faith in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We are unstoppable by the power of sacrifice. We are indefatigable by the power of sacrifice. We shall be preserved by the power of sacrifice. No one fashion against us shall prosper by the power of sacrifice. The force of evil, the force of death, the force of violence shall hold no sway in our lives by the force of sacrifice in the name of Jesus Christ. Our homes shall be preserved beyond measure by the force of sacrifice in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Our children shall be preserved like Isaac by the force of sacrifice in the name of Jesus Christ. In our going, in our coming, 
were led and powered by the force of sacrifice in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, because you are faithful. Thank you because we know you will do what we can think of or imagine because of your power at work in our souls, your power at work in our lives, both now and forever.